In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know if it's still that way or not, but I remember back in the day, out in Montana, there wasn't any speed limit on the, on the interstate. You could go whatever you wanted. And I think it's still that way in Germany on the Autobahn today. You can drive whatever speed you want. And I think Americans really would like that because we, we like freedom. We like to be able to do whatever we darn well please. And Martin Luther, at his time, of the Reformation, uh, was a little suspect for this talk about the freedom of the gospel. And people were saying, well, what does that mean that, you know, we're going to have chaos and anarchy and people can do anything they want? And Martin Luther had to remind people that freedom always implies responsibility. And that if you aren't responsible, well, then that's how laws get made. In our gospel, our epistle lesson, rather, for today, from Corinthians, Paul is dealing with an issue of freedom as well. And in this case, it has to do with food, which seems odd, but here was the deal. Paul started out writing to the Christians at Corinth to say, now concerning food offered to idols, and we need a little background on this. In Greece in the first century, there were dozens and dozens of pagan gods. The, the Greeks had a god for everything. They had a, you know, a god of love and war and rocks and hills and trees and planets and sun and moon. And stuff. They had, a, they had a, god, a pagan god for everything. And they had pagan temples and pagan priests that went along with that. And the deal was that people would bring a sacrifice, usually a hunk of meat, to be sacrificed by the pagan priest at the temple. And he would carve off a little bit and he would offer that. But he would you know, utter some words over top of the whole chunk of meat. And then he would take the main chunk of it and take it downtown and sell it to the marketplace people. And that was part of the way they supported the uh, expenses of the, of the pagan temples. The upshot of this was that most of the meat that you could purchase in the marketplace had been already ceremonially offered to a pagan god or one or another. And so the issue became for the Christians at Corinth, uh, especially the new Christians, and they said, well, we, we can't eat any meat because, uh, you know, this has been offered to pagan gods. And we're Christians now. We, we don't want to do anything that would smack of having to, to deal with pagan gods. And, and then there's these other Christians who had been around a little while, had a little more experience, a little more knowledge, and they were going ahead and eating this meat, and it was really burdening their conscience. And they were like, don't these people believe in the Lord Jesus? How, how, can, they, how can they align themselves with pagan stuff if they believe in Jesus? And so there's a big division in the church. Those who believed that they shouldn't eat this meat offered to idols and were very offended by that and had their consciences bothered. And, and those who had been around a little bit and said, well, you know, what difference does it make what mumbo-jumbo some pagan priest said over top of the meat? We know these gods aren't even real, so what do we care? So go ahead and enjoy that lamb chop. But, uh, but the two sides were really having a struggle with this. And St. Paul wrote them, and he told those people who had a little more experience uh, and a little more knowledge about it, kind of the old-timers, he said, you are, you are right in that 
there really isn't any reason you can't eat this meat offered to idols because, you know, it's not, they're not real. So you're, you're right. But being right is not the most important thing here. The most important thing is how you discuss this with people. And he sums it all up by saying, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And so you need to make sure that you don't burden somebody else's conscience because Paul is saying that two people could do exactly the same thing. And for one of them, it would be sinful, and for the other, it would be not. Because for one of them, it would go against their conscience. And anything that we do that's against our conscience is sinful. And for the other, it would not. So he's saying you have to take into account where people are in this discussion. You can't just say, well, we're right and we know it, so let's ram this down their throats. Uh, you know, that, that's not the way the Christian church operates. And he was not maybe even so much concerned about what happens in the church, but what was the witness outside the church with this? So let me give you an example of this. Those of you who are married, men, have you ever been in an argument with your wife and <clears throat> you knew you were right? And you actually were right? Have you ever been so right that you wound up sleeping on the couch for a couple of nights? Well, that's what Paul is saying. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Or here's another example. When I was a young man, uh, my summer job between high school and college, I was working at a private lake. I was teaching swimming lessons in the morning. I was lifeguarding in the afternoon. My parents, at the, when I got home, graduated, uh, started the summer, my parents got together with me and they said, now, you have been making your own decisions. You've been living in another state nine months out of the year for four years now. You've been making your own decisions and you are 17 still, but we don't think that we should impose a curfew on you because you have been taking care of these decisions yourself. And it doesn't seem right to do it for three months out of the summer. So you're free to come in whenever you want. But, my mother added, remember what your job is. You are a lifeguard. You have people's children in your hands. They're counting on you to be awake and be sharp and be alert. And you can't be that if you come dragging in at two in the morning. So you can come in whenever you want. But remember, you're responsible for the safety of those people. Hmm. And then my dad took me aside later and he said, <clears throat> and beside that, your mother can't fall asleep fully until she hears that door close when you come home. She sleeps with one ear open and she doesn't get good sleep. And I'm not really that fired up about living with a woman who is sleep deprived and cranky. So you can come in whenever you want but just bear that in mind. Well, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> you know, so then I came in at reasonable hours because knowledge puffs up, love builds up. I was responsible to those people that I was watching and I was responsible to my family members who were good people and loved me and really, you know, needed a break. So um, our responsibility is what makes us not just run out and do anything. Love builds up. So now we have in the church at the present time an issue that is very divisive. The country is very divided as well. But the church is divided 
over a lesser issue, and that is, should we have in-person worship or not? If St. Paul were writing to us today, this is how he would title it. Instead of saying, now concerning food offered to idols, it would be, now concerning in-person worship in a pandemic. And what would Paul advise? There are some people on one side of the fence who say that, you know, we shouldn't live in fear and that it's crazy not to worship because, you know, we, we you know, God wants us to worship and, and uh, you know, we go other places, we can go to church. So, okay, all right, that's a point. And then there's people on the other side who are saying, well, we can do whatever we want and we should worship God, but God also, you know, gave us a brain and we need to be smart here and we need to not... We need to not endanger other people. We know that churches are hot spots and too many people in one spot and trace back to coronavirus. So we, we want to be, for the sake of other people, just because we are free and we can't, go to, that doesn't mean we necessarily should. So we have these two, th- two sides. Should we, should we not? It's been a real struggle. It's been probably the most contentious issue I've had since I was a pastor here, actually. So what, is, what would St. Paul say? What he would say is the same thing I said at the last council meeting, I think, which was, I don't care what you decide, I just care how you decide it. I just care that you don't, you know, uh, ignore other people's opinions, that you listen to everybody, you hear them out, you can repeat back to their satisfaction what they said so that they know for sure you heard them. There shouldn't be a rancor, dissension, resentments when people leave the building, there shouldn't be, you know, I, I, I'm just concerned with how we decide. And so, here we are. Um, you know, whatever we're doing, is it right, is it wrong? I don't know. I'm not sure. But I know this. It takes all of us in the church. Diversity is a good thing. It takes all of us putting our ideas together to arrive at God's will. We can discern God's will when we put everybody together and we discern this together. So now concerning in-person worship, well, we're going to give it a try again next Sunday and we're hopefully going to do it safe and sound. But we remember what Paul said. Knowledge builds up, puffs up rather, but love builds up. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus Amen.